Well, good morning to you. So uh, last week we started our uh, mentoring and our parenting series and class. And uh, did anybody get anything out of that? Yeah. Yeah, it was good. It was good. So this week we just want to review because honestly, I think that the mentoring and parenting class is, it's a total shift of the way that we have really done parenting. Uh, it shouldn't be because it's a lot of, you know, really it's a lot of the, the word in it mm -hmm. and it's a lot of God's love and grace, but it's also, um, it's a shift for us. It really is a shift. Anybody really see that shift when you first started watching the videos and you started experiencing, wait a minute, this is not what I thought I was supposed to be doing. So this morning what we wanted to do, because it's such a shift, is we wanted to give ample time to let you ask questions, sit on that stuff. Did anybody sit on some of those principles this week and have some questions? Yeah, good, <laughs> good, good. Well, let's. here's what we want to do first. I just want to go through some of the high points of what he covered last week. So let's run through those real quick, and then we're going to go to the questions. So uh, I'm just going to read these basically verbatim. And uh, it said, well, this is a huge thing. Your parenting style is based on the way you perceive your experiences and the template that you were given. Uh, in other words, your parenting style is going to be based on how, did, how was I parented, basically. That's, the, that's where most people are going to go to. And I love how he uh, says, you know, you reach into your bag of tricks and, and you pull out your parent. And that's, that's how you discipline. That's how you parent. And that's how you mentor people. And, and you go, oh, my gosh, what in the world? How did you get here, Mom, Dad? Wait a minute. And you reach back down and you pick out something else. And then sure enough, hey, wait, there's Mom and Dad again. I said I'd never do that. And yet that's who you are. Uh, when you try to be powerful in your home and hit resistance, you usually reach into your tool bag and pull out what your parents have given you. If you don't intentionally replace what you were given as a small child, then it's downloaded as your normal, as your template. In other words, if you don't purposefully change that, you will go to that for the rest of your life. So what we need to do, how many people would agree that you and probably your parents and probably their parents before them, how many people would agree that you probably uh, are missing the boat on what God has actually told us on how to parent. Anybody feel like you might not have been parented correctly? Let's talk about somebody else before we talk about us. Anybody ever, your parents messed you up. <laughs> I love you, Mom. I love you, Mom. All right. I think all of us at some point, and you know what? They probably did, but guess what? We're carrying that same stuff. Yes. And we've got to get rid of that. If, if you don't stop and change it, you'll just carry the same mess up. All right? And we need to be purposeful to change that. Um, your perception of love, authority, respect, obedience, the goals of parenting, and the practice of relationship are transferred to you before you had time to understand it. Okay? That's a big statement. Before you even understood what was happening some of those wrong things were being passed on. So it's our job now to take the time to unravel some of those from, our, from the way we think. I love this. You are the best 
parent your child could have. No one loves them like you do. No one does. All right, Isaiah 59, 21 in the message says, As for me, God says, this is my covenant with them, my spirit that I've placed upon you and the words I've given you to speak. They're not going to leave your mouth, nor the mouths of your children, nor the mouths of your grandchildren. You will keep repeating these words and won't ever stop God's orders. The heart of the Father is that we build lasting relationships from generation to generation. Not, listen, not lasting disciplines in the sense of punishment, not lasting punishments, but lasting relationships. That's the heart of God. Amen. There is a momentum in how we train our children. We create a culture that our children will instill in their life and then pass on to their children. How many would like to you know, continue to grow up and you look at your grandchildren and you say, look, we taught them right. Mm-hmm. Amen. We want to lay a solid foundation of where God's covenant can be laid and where our children can say, I understand the difference between fear and love, freedom and control. Jeremiah 31, 30, 31 and 32 says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant I made with the fathers in that day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. The new covenant transition is where we move from an external to an internal relationship with God. In other words, the old covenant was one by the hand and external. The new covenant gives us a new heart where he writes those laws on our heart. That has to deal with relationship more than it has to do with punishment. Okay? No longer is there some kind of force on the outside that's trying to control me. Now there's an internal force that I relate to from the inside out. An external control system says I make decisions based on who's going to be mad at me. Who's going to punish me if I cross the line or do something wrong? How many feel like that was, you know, how you were parented? You know, I, I, I do. You know, they taught me some relationship stuff too, but the general rule, that kind of default was, man, I don't want to do this because I'll get in trouble. And then we grow up in God and we start trying to apply that same, that's law. That's the law that Jesus came to uh, basically replace, to fulfill. That law has been fulfilled. He came to bring us relationship, an internal relationship, not external. And so we're parented that way, and then we bring that same parenting into our relationship with the Father and then wonder why it doesn't work in a new covenant way. So we don't want to pass that on to our children. We don't want to pass that on to our employees. We want to keep and maintain and show and teach people the covenant that God set forth and an external control system says I make decisions based on who's going to be mad at me who's going to punish me if I cross the line or do something wrong an internal control system says I make decisions based on how's that going to work out for me I have choices to make and a quality of life that I'm responsible to cultivate what am I going to do with this opportunity And so you start seeing these areas as opportunities, not just areas for you to be punished. How can I grow? How can I get better? 
How can I please my father? This is a big deal. How can I please my father? Genesis 2.9 And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Doesn't God planting the tree in the garden say to us that freedom of choice is huge to God? Mm -hmm. Couldn't he have not planted that tree? Yes. <laughs> Couldn't he have done that? Yeah. Now, and, and let me just, I, wanted to, I meant to say this from the very beginning because some people will take this and they'll take it with a grain of salt and they'll employ it a little bit at a time in their life. Some people will jump all into this and they'll just say, kid, go do whatever you want. That's what love does, you know, and that's, neither one of those are necessarily correct. They're both ditches. Keep in mind that the same covenant that was fulfilled by Jesus also told uh, pastors to rebuke, correct, rebuke, and exhort. He told us to be disciplined, right, and to convict and rebuke. These are, in other words, this is godly as well. In other words, we're not leaving a place where we do not correct our children. Right. That is not love. But we correct and we convict. We help them to see what is right and what is wrong and teach them the reasons for why we make those choices. Okay? Freedom is important to God. See, a lot of people don't correct their kids because they're like, well, I don't want to take away their personality. No, no, no. If God corrects you, he convicts you, correct? Correct? Am I right? Then God's way is to correct. God's way is to rebuke that stuff in you that's not right. So a lot of times, and, and there's this worldly way of teaching where there's never any correction. They never teach the kid. They never correct. That's not love. That's anti-love. Yeah. It's anti-God. But freedom is important. And here's why. You cannot have love if you don't have freedom. And you can't have freedom if you don't have a choice. So that's a big deal. My job, so a lot of times I know with Nicole and I, I'm trying not to get off too much, but a little bit on each point. Nicole and I, what we'll do is we'll show the kids, look, you can do that. You can choose to not do your homework. Go right ahead. But let me tell you, on Monday, you're going to feel bad. You're not going to like the results of not doing that. You can, you can make that choice. You have a freedom to not move in love, to not move in excellence. But on Monday morning, it's not going to be the greatest of things for you. So let me show you a better way. My job is not to teach my children to let me control them. My job's not to do that. My job is to teach my children to control and manage themselves, no matter what's going on in the world around them, to control themselves. The role of the Holy Spirit is to teach us to manage ourselves in all the freedom that God has afforded us. The role of the Holy Spirit is to teach us to manage ourselves in all the freedom that God has afforded us. That's huge. All right. In the area of fear of punishment, 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Do I want to put my child on a track where they make decisions based on the fear of punishment 
or a track where they realize there are relational consequences to their poor choices. There's a big difference between the two. It's the, it's the uh, difference between fear and freedom. Okay? 1 John 4.18, the NIV says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. The goal of the culture of heaven is, us, is to experience a maturing love. A maturing love. If my goal is love and freedom, I need completely different tools than if my goal is control and intimidation. Completely different tools. Now, let me just throw this out there. This is so foreign to the world and to the church that when they actually see love, a lot of times, uh, let, me, let me just put it to you like this. How many people know in their heart that God's convicting them, but then they rebel anyway? How many of us have done the wrong thing after God showed us the right thing to do? Never. Uh -uh, no, I, I knew George. I knew George had it right. I was going to just so, put my hand but, up lightly, and I was letting you convict but me. But here, huh? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> so we have seen conviction by the Holy Spirit and done it wrong anyway. Why would we do that? Well, we're selfish, but we're also we're unaware of this system so much because we've been taught fear and control and immediately, as soon as we feel conviction of the Holy Spirit, what does our brain, based on corrupted thinking, tell us? He's trying to control you. Well, if he wanted to control you, he would have never given you any choice. Right. He wouldn't have let you. If he was trying to control you, he'd just make you do the right thing. Yeah. He wouldn't give you choice. This is the same thing that happens in church. You walk in, the pastor says, hey, you probably need to take a look at this. Oh, you're not controlling me. You know, it's because we're used to a fear and control system. And then when somebody actually comes to you in love and you're not aware of that system, we Im immediately will, in pride, buck up against that. But we expect right. yellow we truck, red truck. Huh? We expect yellow truck, red truck. Yes. Because that's the way we were raised. Yes, yes. Right, the image he had in the video. Remember, the yeah. giant yellow truck was crushing the red truck. Yes, yes. And that's what we're expecting all the time because that's what we saw. Mm -hmm. And so we come into church. Are we talking about parenting or pastoring? I'm not, okay, we're moving on. All right, if, listen, if my goal is love and freedom, I need completely different tools than if my goal is control and intimidation. I have all the power, if I have all the power and you have no power, that's not true. That's not true. And he said it's painful when parents discover this. We relinquish it to the angry teenager, I think he was saying. Yeah. That it's easy to control a small child because you can strap them in a seat. You can strap them in an environment. You can put them in a pack and play, right? Yeah. And then you do have control. You're like, I want. But you end up relinquishing it when yes. they start to grow up and start to express some of that freedom. Yeah. Now all of a sudden... You don't have as much power and control as you think you may have had. Right, yeah. right. And then, and then you're wondering, now the parent gets frustrated, so what do they go into? The bigger bag, the bigger tools of the power louder and control. Voice. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, the bigger tools, and all of a sudden they're going, this is not working, why is it not working, mom? You know, 
mom said, I don't know what to tell you because she did the same thing. <laughs> oh, are you reaping what you sow? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Happy yeah. you're enjoying your same So there's this cycle. We're talking about breaking this cycle. Right. All right. Heart uh, hardened connection. It says, Psalms 32 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. The new covenant is about the power of relationship and love, not about behavior and obedience. The new covenant is about the power of relationship and love, or I would say submission and authority is another way to say that. Proper submission and authority, not uh, punishment submission and authority. Control, not control. It's not about behavior and obedience. Behavior and obedience happen, but they happen as a byproduct of the ultimate, which is a heart-to-heart -heart connection. It's the ability to lead someone with love. God loves us, we love God. Part, we're in that series, two parts of life. He loves us, we love Him. It's not about being controlled, it's about being affected, influenced, and connected. If I look into your eyes, I see your heart. If I see your heart, then I see how, uh, I see how my behavior and my choices are affecting you. Then I have a decision to make. Am I going to adjust how my behavior, seeing how it, am I going to adjust to adjust how my behavior, seeing how it's affecting you. This is a test of love, of covenant, and of relationship. Psalm 32.9 says, Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. In other words, don't bring this into the relationship where you just force your way. And don't be the kind of person that has no thinking on the outcome. I need to manage me no matter what you do today. My love is going to stay on towards you. No one controls my love but me. These little people just keep being people their whole life. They're people. There's nothing you can do about it. So just get good at keeping your love on. You know? One of the things in pastoring, because it really relates in this area, is that you hear it all the time. It's like, this, you know, the church would, would be good if it wasn't for all the people, right? <laughs> it's the people, but you know, it, it would not be what it is if it wasn't for all the people. Right. People are going to be people. Kids are going to be kids. People are always going to, while we're on this earth, they're always going to have, con, uh, they're always going to have a corrupted flesh. So just get good at keeping your love on. That's, that's the key, the fruit of the Spirit. Your children can learn to make adjustments to protect your connection or they can learn how to survive the relationship with you. Ow. If your child is making decisions based on whether or not they're going to be punished or hurt, they're not being obedient. They are preserving themselves in relationship with you. The foundation is to preserve the heart-to-heart -heart connection, teach them what you need, and give them access to your heart. Parents, especially of teenagers, pretend that they don't have an emotional response to their child's craziness. Show them your heart. Let them feel the weight of who you are in this relationship. Let them feel the responsibility. 
John 14, 15 says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Jesus died so that we would be free. It's a brand new way of relating. It's rooted and grounded in love, not in the fear of punishment. How many people like the example when uh, you know, the kid wanted to go to public school and they're like, "There's all the decisions are bad ones. Why would I logically let you go? And the kid says, out of relationship and maturity, mm-hmm. he says, I would make the right decisions because I don't want to break your heart. I love their response. They're like, were you expecting? (laughs) I wasn't expecting that. All right, so again, I'll remind you, you are the best parent that your child can have. You're the best one. No one loves them like you do. Here's the key ingredients to successful parenting, connection. Number one, connection. It's a heart-to-heart. Two, empowerment. What are you going to do? This is a good question to ask them. What are you going to do? Three, safe place. I can handle your mistake. See, that right there is a big one because parents act like they can't handle their mistake. You know? And so the, the kids, even, even uh, in our household, we've had times where Abigail and Rachel didn't want to tell us what they did. And, and you know what, I, even Luke, who has zero idea that he should even be hiding stuff, he wasn't one and a half, he was hiding stuff. So this is a, a built-in thing in a corrupted flesh, and the devil is promoting it from the beginning. Why? To break relationship. So if you don't create a safe place, a safe environment, a safe harbor for them to come to, then they're not going to come to you, and you don't have a relationship, you have Fear of punishment. Unconditional love. Nothing can separate you from my love. There's a good, nothing can separate you. I don't care what you do. I'm going to love you. You're, you. What you do might not be good, and it might not be good for you or me or other people, but I'm going to love you. The key for successful parenting is to protect the heart-to-heart connection with your child. It helps to give your children power in relationships so that they can practice their responsibility. It creates a safe place for them to convey the message, I can handle who you are as a human being. I can deal with people. I can handle your mistakes. There's nothing you could ever do to threaten my love for you. My love for you is absolutely unconditional. Absolutely. Your kids need to know that. That's a big, big, big key. Yeah. So um, just want to go ahead and, and ask questions. Does anybody have a pressing question <laughs> right now? <laughs> Bam. Holy yeah, smokes. No <laughs> All right. Ask the quick question. I, I had a friend in Texas watch the parenting class also. Yeah. So it's kind of hers and mine too. And there's two questions that are similar, so I'll ask them. Okay. Mine, what I said was, how do I foster an independent personal relationship with Jesus and my child separate from leaning on me always for like, for her to take the initiative in that? Um, that wasn't the one. That's one. What do you say to your child when you've prayed for something and the child sees no results? Hmm, that's a good one. I would say on the first one is, how do I foster that relationship? Um, and I'll pass it to them, but I would say that there's, you are going to be a type and shadow of God. 
And so for you to not have relationship is, is wrong. God has made that relationship natural so that you, as you live out Christ, they see the Father in you. So it's very important for you to act like the Father in their life and start teaching them. Now, as they move towards adulthood, you, you really are a steward. Most people don't understand that, that you're a steward of your child. And, but you are to mimic and show what that relationship with the Father really looks like. So a lot of times a great question for us to ask is, how would God handle me in this situation? You know? But a lot of times you don't want to just go off of your personal experience because your experience can be biased. That's why you need to know what's in this word. That's why you need to hear it preached. You, know, you need to know who is the Father. And, and then you can go to a pastor and say, what would the Father do in this situation instead of just reaching into the bag of what you think? Because in this bag that you have, your bag of tools, there's biasness in there, even if you think you got it right. Mm -hmm. There's going to be biasness in there. So what would y'all add to that, or is that sufficient? I think it's maybe just a restating of what Pastor Brian said. I think that the key takeaway I took from this first introduction is that it's critical that I spend time figuring out myself mm -hmm. and my relationship to my father. So I may want my son to have a relationship with God, and I may want to ask questions about how to foster that relationship with God, but if I don't know what that looks like for me, if I haven't spent time in the Word myself, if I haven't learned what um, submission and obedience is to my own pastor, if I haven't fostered that in myself, it can be very challenging to try to present that picture to my child. Because my child sees me as being a role model or being the example of what that relationship or what that exchange should be like. So some of the most powerful things you can do as a parent, let them watch you pray. Let them watch yeah. you get in the word. Let them watch you submit yourself to your pastors. Yeah. Share with them that you're maybe facing a challenging situation. You don't have to share the details, but enough to say, I'm not sure what to do in this situation, so I'm going to take that to Pastor Brian and Nicole, and I'm going to get wise counsel because that's what someone in a right relationship with God does. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole lot of power, I think, in this first introductory class around you got to spend some time with you. Yes. you got to get to know you. And I think even recently in our, in our leadership uh, advance where we all went away, we spent a whole lot of time on emotional intelligence. And it talks about the last step in that process is knowing how to manage relationships. You really can't get to that piece without knowing yourself, yep. knowing how to manage yourself, knowing how to manage yourself in a social environment before you really know how to manage that in a relationship. Yeah. So this is really a stepwise process to get to where you want to be as an excellent parent, right? You can't, it, it's challenging to be a really good parent unless you really know you. Yeah. So I think that's what I would add to that. Amen. What was the second? The second was, what do you say to your child when you've prayed for something and the child sees no results? In this case, the child is struggling at school and um, so she's kind of like stuck. What, what do I, how do I, what do I say to my child? Well, I think ultimately, I know 
we're sort of in a similar situation um, with Abigail. You know, she's, she's entered into a new school. There's new expectations, new worldly influences, new pressures, hours upon hours of homework. And, I mean, there's been days where I've gone to drop her off and we've literally sat in the car for 15 minutes with her crying, not wanting to get out of the car, not wanting to go in. But what we've pointed her back to is, okay, do you have the word of God on it? What does God say? Yeah. Well, for our instance, we know she came to us and said, I know what God's told me on this. I know I'm supposed to go to school. And we prayed on it. And we had confirmation. So we point her back to the word. And, you know, and if we don't have, you know, a personal word, then we go to the word. Yeah. What does God say on it? Is God a good ditty? Is his word true? Then he's, he's not a man that he can lie. His word is true. So we're going to take him at his word. So let's ask for wisdom on how to handle this, how to approach it. Let's stand on his word and faith. If faith is receiving it, have you received the help that you need? And for, you know, for Abigail's issue, it's, you know, okay, we know the word. So have you received the help that you need, even though you can't see it? Well, yes. Okay, then let's, let's walk it out. If you've received it, you walk in joy. You thank him for the answers. You praise him for it. And she's seen an, a difference just by changing her attitude on it. And so we've helped her to see that, you know, a lot of it is a battle of the mind. So it's realizing, okay, I have seen it, and I'm going to praise him for the answer even before I tangibly hold it. Mm -hmm. One of the things in our leadership class <coughs> or in our leadership training that's very important, important is that we have the uh, responsibility to coach, teach, train, and mentor. And uh, if you think about like a baseball coach, they're going to show those kids in the early stages the mechanics mm -hmm. of taking a swing. Mm -hmm. And they'll walk through and they'll show them here's where you put your feet, here's where you bend your knees, here's where you bend your elbows, here's where you want to hold the bat. So they'll take the time to coach and sit there with them. Um, like we've, I don't know about y'all, but we've had situations where, uh, like brushing teeth, like why is there funk on your teeth? Why is that still there? I, did you brush your teeth? Yes. When? Two days ago? <laughs> you know, when? Yeah. Just, I just got done. No. Are you, no, you did not. You did not. You think you brushed your teeth, but you did. And, and literally, you know, you have to go through, okay. You put the, like, how old are you? You know, but anyway, you put the brush in your mouth and you go back and forth and you go up and down and then you put it, there's like teeth back here too. And, you know, but, and, you know, not being so sarcastic. So but, I actually had to do that with William. Yes, we did too. And that, yes. you have to In the coach. shower. Yeah. I assumed he knew how to wash himself. Yeah. Right? Because I'd washed him all those years. He should know how to wash his hair and wash his he didn't have the first clue how to use a washcloth. Yeah. He didn't have the first clue how to really scrub his hair to get the oil out of his hair. So I had to purpose myself to say, this is how, this is how much soap you use. Mm -hmm. This is how you scrub. Yeah. And I think the only piece I would add around not getting prayers answered, be, not being a pastor, is if your child is expecting an answer to a prayer, and you're not seeing it, and you've sought the Lord, and you've sought the Lord, and you still haven't gotten an answer, it's a perfect opportunity to come with your child to your pastor. Mm -hmm. 
if I have learned anything in these last four years, it's been, I don't know it all, and my pastors have a different vision over my life mm -hmm. and can see things that I can't see and can sow a word into that situation. And then not only are you learning through the process, but you're planting a seed in your child, yeah. the importance of submitting to their pastors yeah. and mm -hmm. knowing that their pastors That's are going to bring another level of knowledge and wisdom Amen. to that need than you, even you could bring as a parent. Yeah. Yeah. And She's it's not saying that you're a bad parent. Yeah. It's yeah. saying this is an opportunity to do what it says in Scripture about my word will travel generation after generation yeah. Yeah. after generation. We have to humbly admit that we don't know it all. Mm -hmm. We don't know the answers. But we have pastors who can help. Yeah. I there's bet a, that hits it right now because she's watching. There's a statement. There's a statement that the Lord gave me a while back just on the pastor thing is your pastor where you're planted has an anointing for your life that you will never have. Mm -hmm. And when you understand the relationship of God, that's that's backed up by scripture. They have an anointing, or else God wouldn't have given them to you. If you had all the anointings for your life, you would have no need for a pastor. Amen. Yeah, all right. So, but I go back to we need to, a lot of times there's two things that happen. One, this in America, we're so busy that we don't take the time we need to to coach. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we just let it go by. We, and then we have done it for so long, we don't think about it anymore. It's a default yeah. to us, and we forget what other people don't know, and particularly our kids. And so we just assume that they know how to do things, and we need to stop, take the time, and literally show them step by step. It may seem so simple to you, but to them it's not. And that's our job. Is to, because doesn't the Father says this, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Mm -hmm. That means he's always there for you. Yep. Now, sometimes we might not feel it, we might not see it, but he is always there for us. Amen. And that's the way we need to be with them, is we need to be there for them and not be so quick to just pass over what they're having an issue on, but to spend time with them. Instead of asking six questions, and I didn't number them, <laughs> but there is one that is a big, huge one that okay. I'm sure it's not just for me and her. The way I state it for me, and then I'll state it how she states it. Mine is, how do I parent God's way when my spouse has that, I'm the big truck, you're the little truck. Um, so what I say, I will, or do what I say, I will dominate by force, um, the confusion factor in that. And then hers that is close to that is. That's fine. Okay, no, it, it goes a little further. How do I raise... How to raise her two girls up firmly planted in the Lord and his word to fight that spirit of atheism from the father. They're separated, and the stepmom and stepdad, they tell the kids that the Bible is fiction and that God isn't what their mother says. So she's asking, I'm sorry, no, she's no. asking in that situation. What and and those, do? I'd be happy, we'd be happy to personally take some time with anybody. But one of the things that's very important is what's the root of this, you know, those situations? The root of that is you have a marriage that's unequally yoked. Um, and that's why the Lord tells us not to because it makes it very difficult in normal thinking if you're, not une if you're unequally yoked. So we, this is why when people come to me for marriage counseling, if they're not both born again, 
then you need to get born again. You know, you need to make Jesus your Lord because if Jesus is not the Lord of both people, it's going to be, you're going to have problems. You're going to have issues. You're going to have one side pulling and one side, you know, dragging, you know, and that's, and you're going to go in circles until that's resolved. Now, but here's the truth of the matter. There's a lot of situations out there that are just like that. So what do I do now? And that's where you have to lean on the Lord. He will show you the wisdom on how to do it. And I would say that it's probably different. Everybody's going to have different situation, different levels of big truck, little truck, right? Uh, some people that'll be much, some people that'll be huge. And there'll probably be different results to that. Um, ultimately, God wants to bring about perfection in that marriage and perfection uh, in restoration. And so that's what you need to be believing God for. A lot of times people will exit uh, situations like that because they truly don't have faith that God can turn it around. And so they will constantly be making excuses uh, for not applying faith in that situation. They need to go to God. They need to be filled with the Spirit and pray in the Spirit because you need the wisdom that you don't have in that situation. And um, there will be that confusion aspect in that child. But the thing that I would recommend, depending on where the level of the, of the relationship is, you need to get together with the, the two parents need to come together and they need to try and get on as the best of the same page as they can. Find what they agree on. Find what they disagree on. And see, some of those relationships, you can't even have that conversation. And that's, you know, that's you're talking about extremes, but you're talking about a problem. But as much as you can, get on the same page. And what you agree on, you know, teach your child and train up your child in that way uh, that's as close to the word as you possibly can. But find those places. Know where the differences are, in other words. Don't just go blindly into it. Because then you're going to have one parent going one way and one the other, and the child just gets confused. Cover that child with prayer. Again, come to your pastor for individual. That's why you need to be planted. Come and and uh, for individual um, counseling on that situation because every situation is probably different. So there's a lot more to that question, and but if anybody has that, just feel free to come and talk. Amen. Let's that. That we could spend several days talking about that, actually. But let's go ahead and ask another question or two. Anybody else? <laughs> Give other people a chance. What's some questions that you had after you watched the video? Everybody had it all solved? <laughs> there you go. Uh, the question kind of bounced around because I don't remember exactly what in the situation, but they're talking about when the kid wanted to go to the high school and he just had that faith and that trust in him. I was that kid who could be like, no, I got it. I'll be good. I'll be good. And then totally wasn't. <laughs> so how do you like, I mean, aside from just leading from when they're small, how do you give them that trust? How do you? willingly give them trust and not be terrified <laughs> that they're not going to blow it all out of the water? Good question. <laughs> Y'all have leading? I think I do. I'm waiting. I, I'm waiting for the right word. 
I don't think it's not about, I, I realize this is a double negative, it's not about not being terrified. I think all of us would be terrified in that situation. He said it himself. He and his wife did the math. How many bad choices? How many kids? Lots of bad choices. And I think what he expressed, what they expressed to their son was, this scares us. And they were open and transparent and honest with their child. And I think that's where that heart-to-heart -heart connection comes into play. You've got to be OK enough with you to be able to safely express that to your child. I have some apprehension about this decision. And it was the child's response of, I will protect your heart. And I think from that point forward, it comes down to managing each situation as it comes, making sure that you've created a culture in your home where that heart-to-heart -heart connection is the priority. And I think what you'll see throughout the rest of the series is he'll give example, he, he's going to give in, I think in number three, he's going to give an example where his oldest daughter absolutely ripped their hearts out and stomped on them and how he handled that situation and how he loved her through that situation, even though it was something that would petrify all of us. But he kept his love on to her Amen. and he openly expressed to her your mom and I were scared. Your mom and I were scared that you were dead. Your mom and I were scared that something awful had happened to you. She needed to feel the weight of that relationship. So it wasn't about keeping those feelings closed off to your child. I think there's power in expressing your feelings to your child. Some of the most powerful experiences I have had with William is when I've had to sit down on his bed and say, William, I'm sorry. I was scared. I was frustrated because of this. And my reaction was inappropriate. And I need to tell you I'm sorry. That's me humbling myself to know that I have to protect the relationship between the two of us. I am going to screw up, too. So it's more about how are you going to handle you in this situation, right? in knowing that your kids are professional mistake makers. That's what they're going to do. And they're going to do it their whole life. So how do I make sure that I'm right with me and that my response is always in love, regardless of what they do? I think with the decision, um, any decision you're making, like I'll go back to the one with the school, because we've used it with Abigail. You know, it was for us, she's been in a Christian school her whole life. We were entering into the public school realm. So it's knowing as a public school, you know, graduate, okay, well, you've got, you know, girls getting pregnant early. You've got guys hitting on them. you got, you know, the word of the world going in day in, day out. And, you know, and we did. We sat down. We're like, well, you know, I know I did. Um, you know, we did as a family as well but abigail and i had some you know very open talks i don't like this this and this about public schools however it doesn't matter what i like or dislike we've taken this to god in prayer yeah. so it's important first and foremost that any decision you're making you are teaching your children where to start in that decision yeah. okay here's our decision let's take this to god and together pray on it and then say okay now I want you to go individually 
and I want you to pray on this, and I'm going to do the same thing, and let's come back together when we get an answer on it. So that when you've got the days of them sitting in the car crying because it's not going the way they thought it was going to go, you can refer them back to, well, what did God say? Yes. When Great you point. found your, your decision on the word, then you've always got that foundation to stand on. So no matter what it is, you're not trusting in the person because we, we will yeah. all make mistakes. You're not trusting in the decision itself. You're trusting in what did God tell you on that. And it doesn't matter what you like or what you dislike. If he says yes, then your answer is yes. If he says no, then your answer is no. And you're teaching your kids, we will trust in God because we will mess up. We will have biased opinions. But God loves us even more than ourselves. So we're going to base our decision on his leading. And when you teach your kids from the get-go how to do that, all of their other decisions will fall back on that teaching. Yeah, in His Word is provision. In His Word is protection. In His Word is deliverance out of those problems. In His Word is salvation. So we need to hear from them. A lot of times we think we hear from them because we're biased and we want something to be one way or the other. We want it. I want to go and our want to overrides His want to and now we're in trouble because now we're in the wrong place thinking that it's the right place. That, now we're, that messes everything up. So our, our biasness towards God uh, needs to absolutely disappear. And, and that goes back to originally. And here's the truth of the matter is, like your decision to go to school or, or go make any decision, if we truthfully boiled that down into what we did right, and what we did wrong, if we truthfully boiled it down and we could see what was God, what wasn't God, all of that, and, and we just did that, we would find that the majority of our life is not being led by God at all. And then truthfully, we were not raised up in an internal relationship with God the way that it should be. And we don't want to say that about ourselves and about our parents. Uh, but honestly, the corruption in this world has done a lot of wrong things, and we've bought into it, and our desires of our flesh have overridden a lot of what is right. So the best thing that we can do for our kids is, see, one of the things that makes that decision for them a little bit easier is they raise them in a godly family for all that time or for a majority of that time. So when we... We don't want to get to where our kids are 16, 17, 18, and we just started teaching them to walk godly at 15. We want them to be making godly decisions from the time they are two, you know, three, four. But we're not going to teach them how to make a godly decision and a right decision if we're not making them, if we're not submitted to it. So there's a huge importance for us individually to be all in and not making excuses for making the right decisions with God. And we've, we've got to say, we can't, if, if our kid sees us making bad decisions or unsubmitted decisions to God and His Word, they're just going to copy you. They're going to reach into their bag and pull out the same, well, Mom did it, well, Dad did it. You know, they didn't go to church. They didn't do this. They didn't whatever. They're going to reach in and do the exact same thing. So we're setting a precedent. So one of the best things that we can do is live our life all in with God. And if we make excuses for not being all in with God, we're doing our child a disservice. And that's, that's a huge, huge point. So amen.
Well, let's go ahead. Uh, we've gone way past our time, and uh, praise God. Amen. And uh, if you have any other questions, just let us know. Just uh, uh, we'll talk about it more. And next week we will have the next video, and then we'll have questions and answers after that. Uh, one of the he sets the foundation in that first video with some great statements, and that's why I want to make sure that we read those statements today because that's going to set the foundation for the rest of it. Make sure that we pay attention to those. It might be good to go back and watch these and see them again, listen to it again. Make sure that we're focused on that internal relationship, not just the external one. Amen. Amen. Lord, we just ask for wisdom and strength in our parenting and in our mentoring. Lord, we just you, your word says that you give us the spirit of wisdom and understanding and knowledge and Lord, in parenting, do we need wisdom, understanding, and knowledge? And Lord, Father, we just receive that. By faith, we grab a hold of your gifts of the spirit of wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. And Lord, let us move not just by logic, not just by our default, but let us move by your heart in our parenting and in our mentoring. And we praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Have a great day. We'll see you in just a few minutes.